0: Hello, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to the third episode of Appropriate Culture. That means that you've either sat through two of them, or you're skipping right to the newest one. Either way, I'm happy that you, I was to say I'm happy to hear from you, but I'm not hearing anything from you. If if I am, you're doing this wrong. You're supposed to be listening. I'm talking. I'm Channel Forge. I'm the host, obviously, as I've been for the past couple episodes. But once again, if you haven't been listening, you wouldn't know that. So we're talking about culture trying to spoon-feed some culture into your pie holes. Uh, <laughs> although that's not where you think from, uh, unless you're present. But uh, we're going to be talking about poker culture today. Now, I, I know a lot of people have talked to me about what con- what constitutes a culture, and I've uh, fired back with pretty much anything can be considered a culture. Um, I mean, I've even heard a term, rape culture, and I'm not a fan of that. We're not going to be interviewing any professionals on that. Cause <laughs> that's good. I don't think we'd like the people we talk to, but, uh, I'm just saying the word culture is loose. So we're going to make it loose. We're going to be able to talk about anything that has to do with any type of culture. And that's a collection of human beings experiencing and creating simultaneously. I know I, I changed the definition from when I made it earlier, but fuck it. I don't mind. I'm driving. I'm also a little stone. I mean, driving the podcast, not driving the car. I Ubered here, uh, Also, this episode is brought to you just like the other ones. It's brought to you by uh, Legalized Cannabis in Los Angeles. Glad that we have that. It's necessary. I'm not a big drinker, so this is how I substitute for my day. But, poker Poker culture is going to be interesting. Because, uh, you know, it's not really definitive to a group or a race of people. You know, the history of poker is really interesting. It actually... uh, Actually, we'll get into the podcast. I'm going to introduce him. So, Andy, start the music. Let's go. Episode 3, Appropriate Culture, Poker Culture. And here I am with Seth Shapiro, my guest today. What's up, Seth?
1: Hey, what's going on, people? Hey, Chino.
0: Fellow comedian, artist, yes, <clears throat> fellow peewee fan. We were just talking <laughs> about how... <laughs> Good. Talking about <laughs> talking about Pee Wee Herman when you guys are not listening, but we're not going to continue that conversation because I don't want to go backwards in conversation. I want to go forwards. Yes,
1: onward and upward.
0: Yes, but uh, Seth Seth today is going to be talking to us about poker culture. Uh, Seth, what, what's your involvement with poker?
1: Um, Well, maybe I'll I'll talk a little bit about my own journey with that. So I was born in Las Vegas, uh, but I moved to Chicago when I was six. But my dad still lived in Vegas, so I would visit him a lot uh, regularly. And so I kind of consider both places my home, Chicago and Vegas. Um, And then when I was 21, um, first thing I did when I went to Vegas, I went with a buddy of mine. My dad kind of gave us the, the basics of blackjack, actually. And so we tried it out, and I remember back in the day, we found a couple casinos that had like dollar a day or dollar a hand blackjack and so we would buy in for 20 bucks that we would be like sharing and we'd be like all right we have 20 dollars a day that we can gamble with um and at the end of the trip uh had a lot of fun doing it. i decided well if i'm gonna come back to vegas and play blackjack whenever i come here i want to lose as little money as possible so how do i do that so not only did i learn the basic strategy um which gets you close to it being a break-even game but i found out about card counting so i learned how to do that And there were a couple of um of boats, a couple of, uh, riverboat casinos, uh, near where I went to school at U of I in Champaign. And I would go there on the weekends and, and practice the skills that I had been learning at home. And so, um, I, uh, I made a bit of profit doing that my last couple years of college. And then once I moved out to LA, um, there's so much poker out here. All the casinos out here mainly have poker. It's the main thing that they have. Um, they also offer the other games, but they're like weird versions of them.
0: Right. There's weird California stipulation laws yeah. to full 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 blown gambling that they right. don't. But uh, it's, yeah, and, and the game changes when when you're playing with twenty bucks versus you're playing with a much larger. Like, do you use a different strategy with that? Or
1: when I play poker, yeah. Um, I mean, compared to blackjack.
0: I mean, when when you were playing blackjack with with just a $20 bankroll, oh, if you were to play with a larger bankroll, it definitely oh, yeah, influences your style well, of playing, right? I,
1: I mean, I, I mean when, when I started counting cards, uh, I, I realized that if I was going to do it and do it successfully, I had to have a bigger bankroll because mm-hmm. it's actually one of the main things that wipes out a lot of people who try to gamble in some way professionally is they get wiped out because they don't have enough bankroll to withstand the, the downswings. Um, which are inevitable. They happen no matter what and at blackjack. They're especially rough I mean a lot of professional blackjack players. They'll have months long Down swings so, so it's because yeah, because the edge is so tiny and the the variance is huge In poker you don't need as much, but you still need to be pretty well rolled
0: Yeah Now the difference between poker and blackjack of course other than the rules and such is that uh, in blackjack You're playing against the house right and in poker. You're playing against your fellow man. Yes, that's so a uh,
1: that's what I love about it. It's I'm always or woman. I'm not or woman. Yeah,
0: man. I'm leaving open as like mankind. No,
1: no, but you know what? But it's similar to stand up. It's probably like a like an eighty-five to ninety percent male driven. It's a
0: male dominant field. Male dominant. That's field. probably going to uh, change in the next couple decades. Sure. Sure. Uh, as it's been changing in many other fields. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's what I love about poker is that it's not just a game about math. It's a game about people, and then you have to then take people's behavior and somehow quantify that into math you
0: know yeah that it it comes from such a really like a such a fascinating origin too because poker itself um didn't really make its way to america until just after the louisiana purchase so that's that's where the first notes of poker started showing where they were playing like a three card version of it that was similar to Mm -hmm. what the french as well as the germans were playing they didn't really get to the five card version until um the city of Dodge was being established, and the trains were being built. So you had a lot of people from all over the country kind of trying to make it out west, which was technically kind of more the center of the country. But uh, you you saw a lot of people coming in who weren't from the area. And the area itself, the reason they called it the Wild West is because it was literally without jurisdiction. They didn't have laws. When they say outlaw, they, they didn't mean outside of the current law they meant we're pretty sure that this can't be done (laughs) like in the town of dodge things were pretty tough because they were still establishing their identity and when it came to playing poker you were normally sitting at a table with four or five other guys with guns in their laps yeah that's right and you had a gun in your lap and it was not just a measure of of making or losing money but it was literally measuring the person across the table from you and assessing the risk that you were in so it was the, the, the game of poker has always been rooted in a cerebral risk
1: sure and i think uh, i think it's um it's attractive to people who who are more attracted to risk i think i i definitely am a gambler at heart uh something about that excites me risk um yeah, I, I, do you want to hear a little bit more history? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What you got? Uh, this is a kind of a fun story. That um, do you know? Do you know how well do you know poker? Would you say?
0: Um, I play it without any form of religious attachment. Okay, so- <laughs>
1: but so I, I I'm trying to know like how you know inside and outside baseball. You get, but do you know the term the nuts? Do you know what that means? No, I don't. Okay, so the best possible hand is called the nuts, Sorry. and people. You know, will often, you know, when they're telling you the story of a hand, they'll be like, oh, you're not going to believe this. I, I had whatever two cards and I flopped the nuts and then I got sucked out on on the turn of everything." It's like if you don't know, the- it sounds like something really disgusting is happening, but it's really not. But anyway, the so the term the nuts where people will talk about having the nuts, um, they will... Uh, the, the where that originally came from was back in the Wild West days uh-huh. that, you know, I'm sure you've seen in movies when people, when Cowboys like betting the deed to his ranch or something, right. you know, and he just throws yeah. the deed on the table um, to, and ex- that exudes major confidence in his hand that he's like, hey, I'm betting the freaking deed to my ranch. Um, yes, exactly. So one of the, the ways that um, Cowboys did that is they would have the nuts from the wheels of their stagecoach. Uh, in their pocket, and when it came time, if they felt if they were feeling just that confident, they would throw the nuts from the wheels on the table. Ooh. Not only to say um, that I'm I'm betting something very valuable to me, but also. If I can't pay up, I'm not giving myself any way to escape. Right. So so you're really saying, I am fully all in. I am committed on this hand. And so betting the nuts then has tra- – people will stay still say betting the nuts. It they- was
0: your collateral of but, saying, like, I'm right. not going anywhere. But
1: now and, people will say, I have
0: the nuts. But that's where it comes from. Of, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that was all, all since the Wagoneer days of people trying to make it to Oregon, right? Yes, sir. Oh, man, that's yeah.
1: such a crazy thought. Or, or California for yeah. sweet gold.
0: Yeah. And and just to think, when when poker was starting to be played, people were being introduced to all types of things, like uh, like Chinese people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> America had not seen many Chinese people until uh, the railroads were being built. So it went from people being like, what's a Chinese? To like, hey, that Chinese food's pretty all right. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: and now Asian people are pretty much the norm at any poker table in LA. Yeah, they,
0: they've, they've taken yeah. over the sport. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't... University. I, I don't have to say they. I could say we've, but I'm I'm trying not to be biased because I'm I'm Asian as well. You I know, what, one of us should
1: be saying we because right now we're on the
0: verge of like not sounding right. Of like, being racist. They. Oh yeah. <laughs> now they're taking over they're, um, everything. Yeah, let's change the dialogue. So, uh, I,
1: I feel like if we have one we in our mix, we're I feel a we're very
0: proud of our of our we have prowess one we. of yeah, our half of a prowess in, in this American sport. Now being dominated by people of color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I so another, I, another tale. <laughs> like most yeah, another tale.
1: So I played a lot of poker when I first came out here for a couple of years, and and I started getting uh, involved in online poker, which was
0: exploding at
1: the time. This was like the early two thousands. Were you
0: playing like the Russian online poker, like the bootleg stuff?
1: Uh, no, I was playing the mainstream sites at the time. That was like Poker Stars, Party Poker, uh, Full Tilt Poker. Those were kind of the big three. Uh, and then in uh, 2008. Uh, oh no, it was 2011. Um, the Department of Justice swooped in and um, they essentially shut down all the websites and they um, and they indicted the CEOs of the main two websites uh, because um, and they accused them of, of bank wire or bank fraud and um, and money laundering uh, because essentially the, the online poker has always been legal ish. It's always been super gray. Um, it's never been illegal for players to play, but it's been illegal for the websites to offer American players to play,
0: oh. um, because
1: gambling, just like in America on land, it's it's state by state. Right. So they can't really offer it to Americans unless that specific state okay's it, and so um, it's overall not legal. But they but the government never did anything to. Um, They never did anything to enforce it. They would sort of like passive-aggressively enforce it by telling banks like, hey, if you see a transaction that looks like it's from an online casino, don't okay it. Or they would tell credit card companies, don't okay these transactions.
0: These are unauthorized transactions.
1: So the way that the online casinos got around that is they would create fake companies that sounded real so that banks and credit cards would approve it which technically is bank fraud because they're using their services for something that they wouldn't otherwise
0: Kind of like how the weed game in LA started.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. When yeah.
0: when all those places were getting rolled by the DEA and stuff. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it wasn't because of the fact they're selling weed, it's because they weren't on the up and up about it. Yeah. They weren't paying Uncle Sam his due. You don't. you don't pay up. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I used to work for one of those companies. It was oh, yeah. a, like a paid video game website, and they had to follow the same laws as the online poker companies. Really? Oh, that's right. Andy used to yeah. deal in a, a, a scheme. I'm, I'm going to call it, it a scheme. Just it was because very scammy. It sounds very scammy. I own like eight different companies. He used to, uh, he used to monitor online gaming in, at, a, at a gambling level, but they'd use the V-Bucks, right? Well, you would put money on the website itself for credits,
1: you would win credits and then cash those back right. out. Right. So a
0: shady credit system where you, it's like going to Chuck E. Cheese and That's, buying tokens and yeah. gambling with the we're tokens. Technically
1: had to be 18 or older to do it legally, but we were encouraged to like...
0: Yeah, technically it, you need, need to be 18, kids. but you know, if the if the card clears...
1: Some of the newer... So, so ever since 2011, it was a while before... Online poker came back, and it's it's come back now, it, not in as big a way as it was 10, 15 years ago. But that's, a couple of them are doing that process so that they can get around the legal the legality
0: of it. Now, see, how do you play online poker without being distracted by porn?
1: Um, <laughs> well, honestly, because what I do is um, what makes online poker one of the most potentially profitable things is that you can play more than one table at a time. And,
0: so you're like Bobby Fisher, and
1: I get myself up to about twenty tables at once when I'm playing. Um, you know, I'll play for three or four hours at a time, and when I'm starting to play, only a couple are starting off. But as it goes on, I I build and I build and, and at some point I have like twenty tables going, and so the, the decisions that I have to make are within a few seconds. But at this point, I've probably played millions of hands of poker, so I've seen every situation a lot. So it, a lot of it at this point is is pretty abc straightforward gotcha so
0: you do you would you say would you say that that causes you to play your hands more statistically or do you still play emotionally like a lot of poker card players uh i mean yeah
1: i you you try not to play emotionally as best Mm. you can you're i mean i think if that's something that you don't really have under control you probably shouldn't be trying to do it professionally Hmm. it's probably going to cost you too much
0: well i I, I always thought that poker was a little bit more of a game of measuring your opponent as opposed to the cards. But I mean, of course, it's in the numbers. It's always yeah, gonna be well, in the numbers,
1: li- live it is. There's a lot. There's a lot more that you can do live mm-hmm. than you can online. With, with online, with with your opponents, you're the information that you're taking from them is is the frequency that they're making different types of moves.
0: Now, would you say that your gambling has ever reached like a level of addiction, or is it more of just like a hobby slash
1: if, if I'm being completely honest with myself uh I would say that there are that there have been times that I have displayed certain behaviors that someone with a gambling addiction would
0: have now has that caused you to reel back or to dive in more
1: um no i it wouldn't it wouldn't cause me to dive in more i I would say that um th- that if I felt like you know, it's kind of like with with having a drinking problem, which luckily I I don't have. But you know, it's like you, you know, you see. Well, you, I don't know if you can ever be officially. Di- you know what? Maybe I'm maybe I'm talking out of my ass right now. I don't know if you can officially be a, a diagnosed with it. But it's essentially like, well, if you display these signs, you might be. So it, it's kind of like.
0: Well, they they say a first step on an addict's journey is Mm -hmm. admitting they have a problem. So I'm assuming that's also the diagnosis, is that you're an addict once you realize, you're like, I got got a problem. Yeah, (laughs) so I'd say this. I I would say that
1: if I'm, I'm looking at the big picture, that there haven't ever been times where I was feeling the itch to gamble so badly that if I was in a situation where I didn't have the money to at the time, I still would. That's never happened there, so, and there have been a lot of times where I haven't had the money to gamble, and so you know for months and months at a time. So I just haven't.
0: So you never bet the nuts before, so to speak, as you
1: know, for being an addict. Yeah, right. you never, no. you've
0: never put everything on the line for a hand. No, I've,
1: um, i I would say that there was a, a situation back in my early twenties that was. Uh, where I, I, I kind of tapped out and hit rock bottom, but I don't know if it was a gambling addiction as much as it was being very young and stupid and not knowing when to walk
0: away. Do you want to talk about that it, at all? This is
1: a crazy ass story. I'm really, yeah, I no, this, this, crazy this is what story? I'm looking for. This is, ex- I found it. it.
0: We f- I this found is like you, the Mr. Kind of Bane. I was looking for.
1: I've actually thought about like turning this into like a short film or something at some point, because I- So copyright, uh, all so, rights reserved special yeah, Yeah, All right, so I was 23. And um, a friend of mine, actually, or 24, and a the friend of mine from Chicago that I had originally come out with to Vegas, he came out with me to Vegas uh, this time around. We were there for like four or five days, had a good time. At the end of the trip, I was probably down, man, all right. <laughs> okay, so I was probably down like maybe seven, eight hundred bucks by the end of the four or five days. Okay?
0: okay. That's not too bad.
1: Not too bad. It was all good. And... Um, I was staying with my dad. Uh, he lives right off the strip. So um, I decided I was going to stick around for another couple extra days. And it was just one of those trips. And I've had these trips where it's like whatever you do, every time you should have zigged, you zag. And it, everything goes wrong. It was one of those trips. And as the days were piling on and I was just digging a deeper and deeper hole. Have you ever heard the expression, don't throw good money after bad? No. So it's a gambling expression. It means like – it. In technical terms, it means don't chase your losses, but it also means recognize when you're when you're in a bad situation and don't make it worse. Right. Um, because um, there's something called the the threshold of pain when it when losing. Ugh, I'm 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 not being a good representative for my community right now. There's a certain
0: term for this. I'm still but, totally fascinated. Yeah. Please continue. So
1: so there's so it, and and it's a psychological thing that like if you're down a thousand bucks, you should really stop playing because if you if you choose to try to chase it and just to get even if you lose another 1000 bucks it's not really going to hurt that much as much as already being down a thousand, okay, and then if you lose another two thousand on top of that, that's really not going to hurt as much. So the threshold of pain gets greater and greater because you've
0: already experienced the bereft of loss. So
1: you can easily be spiraling out of control, Ooh. right? And this is what happened on this trip. And I just kept chasing my loss. I, I couldn't. I, I just couldn't walk away, and I would just try every t- type of game. And finally, here's where like the story part of it happened. So this was like my last night there, and I had a coupon. For a free twenty five dollar bet at the Palms. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go to the Palms, um, and I have like, you know, I have like two hundred bucks to play with. Um, that's like all the money I have left. I took money out on my credit cards, which is like the worst thing you like can do. Tw-
0: on a twenty five percent interest rate. Yeah, it's charge. the worst. You put
1: that yeah, in yeah, bank yeah. Bank. And and so I had like two hundred bucks and they had a poker game there too, where the buying was two hundred bucks. So I first went to the blackjack table. And I put down the twenty-five dollar coupon, okay. And sure enough, I get um, I get like a pair of eights, so I have to split them. Mm-hmm. So I have to take out twenty-five bucks of yeah. my own money. So I put so I put out twenty-five bucks. Split. I get a double down. I have to double down on it. I I end up losing the hand, and now I'm down to one hundred twenty-five bucks. Now I'm on the waiting list for that poker game, and now I don't have the two hundred bucks to buy into that game. So I'm like, what the hell do I do with my $125? And so I I went to... Uh, I think I bet like another 25 bucks at blackjack and lost that. So I have 100 bucks. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the craps table. And I'm just going to throw it all on the pass line and wait until it's my turn to throw the dice and try to double double it up and then just go. And then I'll have the 200 bucks and I can go play poker. So I go to the craps table and there are these... It's a hot table. It's crazy. All right, like people, there are chips flying around.
0: Paint the picture for me. Is there like a millionaire there with two girls on his the arm? There are these or? two.
1: <laughs> so there are these two Armenian dudes there, probably in their fifties. They uh, have like the button shirt, a lot of chest hair gold poking chain. out. Dude, gold. Yes. So many gold chains, man. And these guys are I'm super right drunk now. and super loud, and they're great. Like I, you know, nothing. It was a good time, <clears throat> and. They have in front of them, because they're super drunk, a mixed-up pile of $500 chips, $1,000 chips, and $5,000 chips, right? They're just fucking throwing them around like it's nothing. And there's this kid. He's on my right, and he's in the middle of throwing. So I don't want to get in yet. I'm, I, I want to wait till it's my turn because I want to take my own fate into my own hands, right. right? But they're yelling, come on, come on, motherfucker, throw a six. Come on, give me that hard six, baby. And every time this kid throws and he doesn't throw a seven and craps out, these guys are making like 10, 20 grand, okay? These guys have bets on every single thing at the table. So as long as he doesn't throw that seven and crap out, they're winning some money. Wow. He ends up throwing for 10, 15 minutes, and I'm standing there like a jackass, not getting in on any of this. On a this. hot set On dice. a hot, hot streak because I want to wait until I have the dice, Anyway, after 10 or 15 minutes, this kid craps out. They must – you know, he must have made these guys like over 100 grand easily. And and one of the dudes goes, hey, kid. And he flicks him a $5,000 chip.
0: Oh, it's nothing. He goes, hey, kid.
1: Thanks, man. You were a hot roller. And so now I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. Can I please have a decent roll and make these guys some money? Because maybe if they'll do that for me –
0: Was there any magic left I'll in will days? I'll be –
1: I'll be – Almost halfway back to even. (laughs) If that gives you an idea of just how down I was, okay. So this was also by far, by far my worst losing trip ever, ever, ever. Like I've had trips where like I've lost like a couple thousand bucks, but this was like a nightmare, you know. So, (laughs) so anyway, they passed the dice to me. I put all hundred bucks on the pass line. You know, all I've got to do is, you know, do you know craps at all? Yes. You know? Okay, a so. Bit, a little bit, but. I'm like, come on, just throw me a winner. 7-11, don't throw the 2 three twelve. I don't throw any of those, I throw a six. So that's the point, right? So, so all going. I have to do is throw a six and not a seven. But these guys load up the table with every single bet. They probably put 50,000, 60,000 bucks out there, right? Yeah. And they have like, you know, $1,000 $5,000 chips on every one of the bets. And so I just have to throw anything but a seven and I'll make these guys 10 grand a roll, you know? Uh uh-huh. And I'm like, come on, just please, you know, I'd love to throw the six, but let's make these guys some money. Let's go on a hot roll here. Come on, please. And I throw those dice, seven out, and oh. these two guys are like, "You fucking suck, bro. You suck."
0: Pass those dice. Get them out of here. Get yeah. them out of here. So
1: at this point, I now have zero dollars. Zero. Okay. I have zero. Maybe I have like three bucks on me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. You're one of those dollar fifty hot dogs in circus, circus. The
1: only, the only thing that I've, yeah. Yeah, which is like a greater gamble than any. The I've loser
0: thinking. dog. Right. Winners eat the loser five dollar steak. Yeah. Losers eat the hot dog. I
1: don't know what that hot dog's made from, but I'll <laughs> say this: you don't see a lot of stray dogs in Vegas. So I'm just saying, just saying. So all I have left on me is I also I have another coupon for a free bet, and so, um, just like I had at the Palms, it didn't work out. So I have the coupon. It's for a twenty five dollar bet at the MGM. So I'm like as dejected as possible. I drive to the NGM, park in the lot. It's like a long ass walk to get to the casino. And I get there and and uh, I go to the table and I put it on the table. Like, sorry, you have to go to the cage and get a play chip with it. I'm like, eh, go to the cage. And then at the cage, they're like, well, sir, we need to see your player's card, which I had left in my car. So I got to walk all the way back to my car, <laughs> come all the way back. I finally get this crappy little clay chip I go up to the table and I, w- I want to go to an empty table because I'm only going to play one hand and I don't want to mess up the flow of other people. You don't
0: want to crap on another right, table. Right. Man. So
1: I find an open table. I'm like, hey, man, I said a deal. I'm like, you know, can you help me out here? Can you hook a brother up? So I put down the chip and what does he deal me? Two aces. Now, do you know what you're supposed to do with you're two aces? You're
0: supposed to split. Always, always. But you have split. no money.
1: I have no money. So he goes, split Aces. Would you like to split them? And I look up at him. I go, I, I, I don't have money. And he's like, oh, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I, I, I'm I, like, and so I, I ask a player at the table next to me. I'm like, hey, do you want to split these Aces? And and most casinos are cool. They we, and they allow you to do that. But MGM was being a real dick that They're night. Like, no, no, so. no. They're like, sorry, sir, that's not allowed. You can't bring, bring someone in on the, on your hand. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And the dealer's like, well, sir, you have soft two. What would you like to do with it? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll hit. And he gives me a 10, so now I have 12. Twelve. And I'm like, ah, I'll hit. And he gives me another 10, and I bust.
0: And you would have been two. Add two 21s. Oh. And I was like, oh, oh okay.
1: Well, all right. And, and uh, you would have
0: at least gotten back up to what? 100 from that split? would have had
1: 50 bucks, 50, but, yeah. but uh, it was. Cause they wouldn't have given me the twenty five for the coupon that I had, but anyway, it was uh, yeah. So that was that was definitely my lowest moment from.
0: Oh man, it was a rough one, man. That's like one of those stories of somebody's been playing the same lotto numbers for like twelve oh, years. Oh my god, yeah. And, yeah. The, the and one... then like
1: when they hit it, and they have a heart attack. Yeah or, yeah, or
0: or they don't even show up when they're like, you know what? It was my oh, daughter's graduation. Yeah. I'm just gonna go graduate. I'm not gonna yeah. buy a lotto ticket this time. And their numbers get called, and then they have the heart attack.
1: <laughs> Ran, you know, randomness. I, I think that's maybe the thing that's always attracted me to it. Is I I love games and I love people, but and I really love math and probability. To me, has always fascinated me. And and like even like recently over the past year, I've I've gotten a little, um, I've gotten a little like beautiful mind obsessive with trying to understand probability mm-hmm. because it's a very weird thing that there are these random events that happen. But if in a large sample size, there's a pattern to that randomness. Yes. And I don't under you know, and it's like every mathematics there is is the mathematics of something physical. But probability is the mathematics of events. What, what you're talking about intangible.
0: is the roots of quantum mechanics. Sure. You're 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 pretty much scratching the surface of of the fact that everything eventually will fall under a pre- probability. Yes, but even <laughs> if it seems impossible, mm-hmm. there's still some measurable probability right to it. it's some non-zero chance but but the thing is
1: that we actually live in a world where there isn't randomness because if we it, everything is measurable it's just it appears random to us like if you flip if we flip a coin to us it's random it could be heads or tails but if we actually Could measure beforehand the amount of energy you exerted on the coin, the angle you're flipping it, where it's going to hit on the surface and the the surface area. Wind
0: resistance trajectory. All All of
1: it, we would be able to predict 100% what it's going to land on. But we don't, so it's random. And yet, we are able to predict with more um, accuracy that if you do it 100 times, it's going to be close to 50 and i don't know what force it is that's enacting upon that i mean it seems obvious to us of course it's 50-50 it's a heads and a tails but i want to know what's what that's about like why is it that that chaos becomes order the in the larger picture it's very strange
0: see it's interesting it's kind of a it kind of reminds me of a conversation <laughs> i had about anarchy with a punk rock friend and it is also kind of exemplified in a movie called SLC punk where uh someone was talking about how life always has to lead for it goes from from order to disorder like order being life or like a flower blooming or, yeah you know and then disorder being death or the loss of life or you know what comes next and entropy it, increases over right time. and they 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 stopped the argument there and then the other person was like but what about the third part of the cycle and it's like what's that it's like life again every death becomes a life eventually mm-hmm through, you know, transfer of proteins or, you know, if you believe in reincarnation, things like that. It's it's more so that it's a it's a cycle numerically.
1: Of so going back and forth between order and disorder. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, I mean, who knows? That, that That's an interesting point. You know, I've always thought about it from like a scholastic level where it's like, oh, this is 50-50 because that's just how the math works out and that's what they're telling me. I never even questioned the, the paradox of it where it's like, why is it 50-50? Yeah, like, and, and well, is and it we really? understand is why, it?
1: but but it but the fact that it ends up adhering to that, and yet it doesn't. It's like even though out of a hundred times it will it will be near fifty, we can't predict that it will be near fifty. Right. We we know that a certain percentage of the time it will be between forty five and fifty five. A greater percentage will be between thirty-five and sixty-five. In a and month.
0: if you're for sure a gambling addict, you'll flip a quarter a hundred times and bet on the results. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's how you know. Doubling nothing. There's people yeah, listening right. right now. It's like, well, yeah. how about we flip a quarter a hundred times? I bet you.
1: But <laughs> order comes six- out of chaos. Yeah, you're right. But it, it order comes out of chaos with growth too. Like when 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 humans are developing, you know, I mean the cell the cell doubling uh, or just cell growth. It. it it doesn't look like it's becoming anything, but when you pull out, there is something guiding the form of a human from that.
0: Yeah, there's there's it's a totally structure bizarre. for sure. Yeah. yeah,
1: or or in plants. Hmm. Yeah, even having the mathematical principles within yeah. uh, within plants and humans and, and the solar system, like like the the golden ratio, that that keeps coming up in thousands of examples.
0: Okay. And would you believe this all came from poker? Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't. Let's, uh let's get let's get back let's get back to Sorry. poker a little bit. No no no, no, no. I, I like that as going in, in odd places. That's yeah. what that's what this is for, but uh to rope it in a little bit. Like, cause here's the thing. I I've had a lot of friends that get really deep into into poker. Mm-hmm. I, I got a couple people who've actually played played professionally. Poker just never got my dick hard like that. It never it never did it for me. But I could definitely tell that it gets some people's dicks fucking hard. Like they yeah, yeah, yeah. They love it, and 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 for some people, it's it's the situation of potentially losing or gaining or gain, yeah, gaining or losing a lot of money. And for others, it's it's the fact that they're in a good situation at a bad table or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And some people get off on being able to like bluff people totally. and being able to yeah. just swarm a table with with just garbage hands. Like, what about <clears throat> poker gets Seth Shapiro's dick hard? Um. <laughs> Sorry to ask you so crudely.
1: It's it, <laughs> flopping the nuts. Um, <laughs> it's probably nuts. it's it's the same things I think that that I like about all gambling games, which is I like the idea of I, I don't like gambling without an edge. You know, if I'm doing it and I know that it's costing me money in the long run, um I I have to I treat it differently psychologically. Like when I go to Vegas with my wife, we'll play certain games sometimes that I know we don't have an edge in. But I will have a sense of like I know what the edge is. I know in the long run, this is costing me ten bucks an hour to play. So if I have a couple of drinks, free drinks during that hour, I'm essentially break even. Right. But when I'm when I'm playing with an edge, I think in addition to games and risk, I think I mean maybe we've been talking about understanding the universe more and, and getting a peek at, at what's underneath. I think I like the idea of seeing a game that is that has rules to it and it's very structured, but there is a way to attack it from a different way that can, that can change the perceived outcome. And so I guess it started with Blackjack, like, oh, this game that, you know, mathematically I'm supposed to lose a half a percent to one percent of everything I wager in the long run. And yet if I track the cards in a certain way i'm able to have an edge there um so i think i have a bit of a fascination with thinking outside the box with games okay and and with poker it's it's there's a ton of that it's always changing the the people that you're playing against always make the game different because it's you're playing with humans and even the order that you're sitting at the table. I mean, if if this guy sitting on my right and this guy sitting on my left, if they were to switch spots, it would create a totally different dynamic of the game. Absolutely. Because of how they play.
0: Some people are big bettors and will yeah. throw pockets on you and other people will play really conservatively until they have a perceived good hand to start. Right. and And maybe they don't. Maybe they're just playing in rhythm. Yeah, I know that. That's one thing that uh, see I as as far as gambling goes the 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 main game I play is, is slots. Mm-hmm. I'm a slot guy. And I like slots because I'm a I'm a musician and there's a rhythm to slots.
1: Oh, okay. Like you yeah. play
0: you, you got to play a machine for like a good 20 30 minutes before you start to really feel its rhythm. Uh-huh. But if you can play it long enough and and like bet low and write it and feel yeah. like the change comes in so you start betting maxes and letting it unfold like there definitely is some type of rhythm to the numbers do you feel that in poker too is there like a rhythm to it i feel
1: that more in blackjack um my 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 intuition kicks off like crazy when i'm playing blackjack especially honestly if i've had a few drinks um usually the drunker i am at blackjack the better i do because i'm not in my head as much
0: the less you'll um, tell yourself no. Probably. Yeah, the
1: less I'll tell myself no, and my gut's telling me, dude, you are going to get a blackjack on the next hand. I know the count doesn't call for it right now. It's not mathematically the correct play, but you know you're about to win the next hand. And when I'm good and drunk, and I'm not worrying, I'm not in that place of fear. I can throw out that you know three, four, five hundred bucks out there, and and you know more often than not it comes. Um, I absolutely am a firm believer in that. Um, definitely feel that Blackjack poker. I don't know, maybe because've I've studied poker in a different way than Blackjack that like I never drink when I play poker. I don't I don't smoke up. I, I like to have a really good head about me. I, it feels more like, I'm I'm here to be a professional. I'm not here to have fun. It is fun. But when I play blackjack and I'm making money out of it, that feels more like this is a fun hobby that I happen to be making money. At.
0: Right. I, and you also know you're not destroying your fellow player. Like you're, yeah. you're, you're it from a house that has plenty of it.
1: In fact, the way I always like joke about it with people is I always say blackjack was kind of like my first girlfriend and poker is my wife. Um, and then craps is the mistress that you call it to a.m.
0: <laughs> like I'm. Um, i'm
1: hungry because <laughs> yeah, craps is by far by far the most fun game
0: so as far as I'm so when you when you're around ga- gambling with your wife being there do you let the wolf run or do you do you hold back a little it's bit? different
1: it's a different dynamic um certainly than like times in my 20s um and i was there with with my boys and we were doing that i've i want to be very clear i've been awesome time with my wife and i got super lucky that like i actually met her in vegas um we met at a wedding in vegas and um and we go to we're actually going to vegas in a few weeks like we go a lot she loves gambling i frankly i kind of let a monster out of the cage because i introduced her to a couple of games and like she was off and running oh, she no. was like now i want to learn this game and i want to learn this
0: game I'm Like, oh babe I mean, and
1: unfortunately the one game she doesn't like is blackjack.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Have you turned her on to the numbers of it, or is it? Is this, does That's
1: what turns her off to it.
0: Oh, so what? What gets what gets her dick hard then? Uh, Sorry. She likes poker games.
1: Her <laughs> dick. There, there are a couple of uh, games in Vegas that are like blackjack, where you play against the dealer. Yeah. But it's based on hold'em. Okay. So it's like you get two whole cards, the dealer gets two hole cards, and you can make certain bets. So she loves those games. it's Like a
0: variation of like an Indian poker type, where you're betting on the probability of the cards and not necessarily. Uh, yeah,
1: well, it's like hold'em. It's like you get your two cards, and then you can make a bet if you. Want, or you can just check and then there's a flop dealt and you can bet oh, okay. or you can check and then they deal a turn a river and then and then the dealer shows their cards and if you win then you get paid off and if you lose they take everything so uh but yeah it's really fun it's it's a it's actually a super fun game it's probably the most popular game that has come up over the past 15 years that it, you know yeah since blackjack Dude,
0: that's so funny that you that you've uh you've kind of unloaded a little bit of of your desire onto your wife for it because that's like uh that's like the couple that's like hey honey that's like watch porn tonight yeah.
1: <laughs> and
0: then all of a sudden you just download a porn addiction onto your wife <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, she loves it
1: but she's still i you know i i definitely think that um that we definitely still look at the you know g- gambling money differently and and like for me when i'm when i'm gambling if i'm gonna do well i can't think about what the money might mean right you really can't you really have to detach from it and say i I have to make this play because it's the correct play um and if i'm not willing to do that because it i feel like it's too much money i shouldn't be playing
0: like you you become a slave to the sport in some way yeah where you're like ah but i know the numbers yeah oh wow that's interesting and
1: and maybe that's that's another thing i like too is i like being in scenarios where like i get to shovel out a lot of money to take a risk at something that I know in the long run is actually a winning bet, so it's like it kind of gives me an excuse to to be a crazy gambler. Would
0: you Would you say that this in turn forces uh, it inhibits you to live life like a poker game? Do you feel like it influences the way that you take risks in your um, daily life?
1: Um, no, I I think that with certain things in my life I'm I'm uh, I'm risky, and other things I'm just risk averse. Fascinating. Yeah.
0: Cause I have a I have a friend that teaches skydiving lessons and he is impulsive all the time. He oh, has yeah. no off switch. This guy is jumping out of windows all the time. See, like, like
1: I think that stuff I'm I'm risk averse to. I don't know if I if I could do skydiving.
0: Dude, I won't do it either. And the, this this friend of mine was like, dude, I'll I'll take you out for free. I I run this company. I'm like, all right, if you get up on stage, I'll go skydiving. And he's like, no fucking way, man. That's too scary. Like that's bull you jump out of planes for a living and you're telling me getting on stage is too scary. Yeah. Yeah. Fear is perceived differently.
1: I like I like I like risks of the mind. I mean, I like yeah, I'm I'm somewhat into psychedelics, which I know probably a lot of people would consider risky. Mm. but that's kind of become a a hobby of mine over the past few years.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm a a very experienced psychonaut myself. I've traveled to the depths of my mind. (laughs) Nice. And I I know exactly what type of human being I am. So there's no gambling there. (laughs) I I know exactly who I am when when I'm faced with... Mortal anxiety. Yeah, it
1: definitely feels safe to me at this point. Yeah, doesn't feel. Yeah, I I don't have the fear about it going
0: badly or anything. Yeah, the It's like the drugs is the house, and they always win, (laughs) unless you get bad ones. (laughs) Then you're like, man. Maybe that's
1: what it is with gambling. Is that is that I've always done it in a in a way that I'm doing it. I'm truly doing it safely. That I've I've only gambled with uh, other than that story and maybe a couple of others. I've always done it with money that I know if I lose it, I'll be okay. And that I'm doing it with a I'm doing it with an edge. So th- there is gambling in it. It is risk. It is an unknown outcome. But there are certain things that I do have control over, and that gives me the confidence to make, take the risks. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Have Have you? Uh, I know you said uh, and a couple of other times. Maybe have you ever had like a freak out? at a table that you can remember because I've... Freak out. As I, I remember no. I, I hosted a poker game at my house once and I, I had no idea what type of people would be coming. I thought it was just going to be friends from the service industry and then someone's like, hey, do you mind if I bring my friend? He's like really into poker. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. More the merrier. And next thing you know, my, po- my poker tournament between friends turned into a, a Saigon gambling oh, opium man. den where people were smoking cigarettes <laughs> oh. indoors and and Oh, I thought you were going to say... Oh, other. that's what... So it led to and, f- fights? It, and- well, it, it led to... Some intense gambling, where at first it started as like a $20 buy-in. You know, they can't go too high with that. A $10 rebuy-in. But next thing you know, people are like, nah, fuck that. Fuck that. I got 40 bucks, Let it ride. Just give me 40 bucks in chips. It's like, no, that's not how we're doing it. That's an unfair advantage. She's like, no, no, no. Don't worry, I'll play it. Don't worry, I'll play it. And they keep playing it. There's one dude, by the end of the night, this poker game started at 5 p.m. Ooh. I was planning for it to go to 10, 11, at 4 in the morning, this guy had already lost $1,500 oh, at my house game. And then he pulled out his phone and started crying. Just started oh, sobbing. We're like, what the... Wow. F-? And then he started talking to his girlfriend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. But he had apparently uh, just spent, like, literally all of his money at a at a card game at someone's house. At my house.
1: I've never had a freak out like that. I've, I think that all of the... Any times that I've had losses... It's it's like taking the wind out of me. It's taking the fight out of me. Um, I mean, the truthfully, the it is interesting though because gambling brings out the weird in people. You know, it brings out you you can really see how um, how n- I'm not going to say unintelligent. That's not the word I'm looking for at all. Um, how illogical, how irrational we truly are when when we're in a space of you know. Doing something risky, doing something fearful, doing something we don't really understand and we're uncomfortable. I mean, the number of uh, superstitions that that people have in the game, um, in every game, it's like they all have their own types of superstitions. You know, craps players have their own superstitions. They won't say the number seven. They have different terms for the number seven. Right. In blackjack, if you make what, what other players feel is the wrong move... You know, they feel like it screws them over, even yeah. though it totally doesn't. You know, it's like if you're sitting and you end up taking a card that would have busted the dealer and then they, they'll they yell at you. And then, of course, like two hands later, they end up getting a blackjack that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten because of the, you know, of how the cards the came out. Yeah. And but they don't think about that. Like they're already past that. And so, you know, it, there's like there's a game, the game that I play with my wife, the, the poker game against the dealer there there's a side bet that's just a bonus bet right and and that bet you don't have to make any decisions it's just if you end up getting three of a kind or better you get a bonus on that bet but most of the time you don't so most of the time you lose five bucks <laughs> right but when you do you win you know anywhere between 20 and you can actually win like a thousand bucks if you get a royal or something
0: if you right? just so happen to yeah. yeah
1: so a lot of players they'll play this game just so they can play that side bet which is essentially a five dollar lottery ticket right and when I play, we we usually don't make that bet. Because for me, the fun of gambling is the game itself, is getting to make decisions. And I always get yelled at. Like players are like, oh, you're not playing the bonus. It's the only way to make money in this game. I'm like, oh, it's interesting that they would offer a bet like that that makes money. So, of course, every time I get a hand where I would have won that bet, everyone goes off on me at the table. Oh, you don't have the bonus out. The dealer's yelling at me, oh, no bonus. And I'm thinking like, the exact same logic would say oh you just won that hand oh if you had bet twice as much you would have won twice as much it's like duh, no yeah. shit right. that's math it's <laughs> the same exact reasoning so it's so silly to point it out and i always say to the dealer like look if you're going to like rag on me every time i don't have 5 bucks out and i would have won i want a high five every which happened would happen pretty much every hand for the times that i don't get it right. and i save myself 5 bucks you know which <laughs> ends up being hundreds of dollars an hour
0: yeah it's yeah that's a uh, but players
1: don't, people don't think like that.
0: That, that That's a, uh, Keno players are like that too. Oh, sure. Keno players are all about playing that max, that super max betting mm-hmm. option. It's always just like $2 more or something. But it's like, if you're playing 10 games of Keno, that's a whole another 20 bucks. Yeah. Like that's that's a big chunk of your perspective yeah. budget for the betting. However, yeah. if you're good with numbers, I think you might like Keno too. Because a lot of, there's, there's like apps now where people will track the numbers <coughs> mm-hmm. on like what has been pulled in the state recently, but so it's totally random. To it's say. still totally it's like random.
1: roulette. It's just well, I mean, that's the biggest, the biggest gambler fallacy of all, is is doing something because of what happened in the past when each one is its own trial. Like a Roulette, you know, yeah. red comes up 20 times in a row, and half of the gamblers out there are like, red is super hot, let's bet red. And the other half of the gamblers are like, black is due, right. let's bet black. Well, and it's still totally random. It's still it's slightly like, less than 50 Do you think like a
0: scientist, or do you think like somebody who's like big tobacco? Uh-huh. You know, is your mind more like, well, this could be anything, or is it like, well, things have been going so well for so long? Right.
1: I mean, it's like if you have a reason to believe that things have been going so well, that, and you can see the – can, but it's because we're pattern-making machines. Right. It's what our brains do. It's how we understand this world. It's the only possible way for us to get through it is by making assumptions that the way things have been – and and if they're also like that now, that means they'll also be
0: like that in the future. It's the
1: You know, it's the only way we can get up every day and assume the sun's going to come out.
0: Well, see, I, yeah. I've always, this this is going to go off topic, but uh, I've, I've always believed that our role in the universe, not just in humanity, but in the universe of things, our entire job is literally to collect data. Our job is to be here in this life experience, mm-hmm. collect whatever data we felt inclined to because we're the only ones that can live our lives prospectively. Mm-hmm. And to return to whatever source that is with data. Mm -hmm. And that data is literally what's currently expanding our universe. Our universe is expanding at the rate of the data that's being collected. I know that sounds weird, like a a transition of of resource where it's like, how do you even make those maths compute between, um, you know, mental, spiritual and tangible. But I, I believe that there's a strong correlation between the growth of two. Um, I, I get my research in that from when LSD was created. Mm-hmm. When they first started taking LSD, they said it was fun, but it was kind of like a, an empty playroom. And then the more people that they dosed and the more experiences that were had, they said the playroom started to fill up. Oh. And it wasn't until they had a mass collection of experiences where LSD started taking the turn of creativity and, and color. That it has before other people got to experience it. Interesting. So they believe that it's like a mass collection thing, where it's the the experiences of others others that have paved the halls. Adding to the bucket. Yeah, uh, everybody putting a little coin in the bucket, and now we got a bucket of change. I dig. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Anywho, uh, sorry.
1: I know I haven't talked much about the the culture of poker. Yeah, do you want to know? Yeah, please, about
0: that, please please tell me what like. Well, let's see. I mean,
1: I've so I've. So back when I played live, I definitely would see a lot of familiar faces and made a few friends through that. And, and there are also um, a lot of private games all over town that I actually have just recently started to become part of that culture, uh, which is kind of a cool culture. Um, I can't really talk too much more about that because they're private
0: games. I understand. But, I understand. Uh, There's but, just a um, layer of secrecy. Please but, keep the veil. Uh,
1: let's see. But with online, there is... There is definitely an online poker culture. Um, and a lot of it is through the forum 2 plus 2, um, which it's actually, I, I didn't realize this until someone pointed out that it's one of the biggest forums on the internet. Um, it's huge. Um, and it's mainly poker. Like that's the thing that, that first brings pe- people to that forum, but they actually have, it's like Reddit. I mean, they have topics on every single thing you can imagine. And what's nice is that the average person on two plus two is probably a little bit more uh, intelligent and um, well behaved than the average redditor, probably. So okay. it's like you end up having some really excellent threads and conversations. Not a lot of them.
0: shit posting.
1: Not a lot of shit posting. Yeah, yeah still yeah, some. Though. Still some, but like, but actually, all of the shit posting is like in its own threads. It's like here's the thread if you want to shit post, and now let's actually have some cool conversations. Yeah,
0: I assume that the the poker community as a whole has to be of <laughs> A level of intelligence mm-hmm. at least at least of an under of an understanding yeah because uh you don't see a lot of dummies playing su- poker successfully
1: um at least not at poker yeah i mean certainly a lot of poker players have also had plenty of vices and you know have had some tragic ends but
0: um well, some golfers. I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> anything. Any. I mean, any
1: celebrity of any. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You know. Yeah. You know.
0: Arnold Palmer is a drink because he's great at golf and he loves lemonade and iced tea. You know what? A, you know what? A John Daly is. What? It's an Arnold Palmer with vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you need that. Are you saying an Arnold Palmer yeah, with lard? You need to be playing with an edge, just like you know, like like you were saying. Like, That's uh, funny. That's funny. <laughs> <like John Daly.
1: laughs> or something to take the edge off. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: So what? As as far as. What what's it like when you're out in the wild? When you're out in in everyday life, and you discover somebody that you're speaking to is a poker player?
1: Um, honestly, a lot of times it's a pain in the ass because they will start telling me about. Um, well, are you saying like someone who's like a well-adept poker player, or like the average person that I meet? Because here's what happens a lot: is I'll meet somebody, and I honestly, this is actually a part of my life that I really don't talk about that much, and. I have a few reasons for it. Like one reason is like, there's a stigma about someone who's a professional gambler. Um, Yeah. Your friends won't loan you any money, (laughs) but you know, so there's, there's that edge, you know, there's that part of it. Um, on the other end of that coin, people who actually like think it's super cool and they want they want to know a lot about it. And they'll ask you questions that in other fields would actually be probably
0: too personal and
1: invasive. Like, Oh, how much do you make normally? And what's the biggest amount you've ever made? And, um, I mean, obviously, today I'm totally volunteering. Whatever you want to do, right? Right. Right. But, I mean, you but, can always um, say no. I don't want to answer that. Yeah, and but
0: <laughs> but a, but
1: a lot of times they'll also like they'll start telling me about like they'll start doing like a bad beat story. Like you know, a bad beat is it's like when you get unlucky in a hand. Essentially, it, technically, it's like if you start with a good hand and then someone else ends up with a better hand. And usually, it involves them having to have made a bad play to stick around. It's like I bet a thousand dollars, and all this guy had was a pair, and he called me, and then he ended up making trips. You know, bad beat. Poker players all have bad beat stories, and maybe 1% of them are good. Right. <laughs> they No one wants... Look, let me, let me do a service to everyone out there. No one wants to hear your bad beat stories. I, I've played millions... I'm not showing off. I'm just trying to explain where I'm coming from. I've played millions of hands of poker. I've been on the winning and losing side of pretty much every single situation you can even imagine, Um and I mean I've I've experienced things that are like, you know, thousand to one shots. And so at this point, I will I will humor you. i will be like, Oh no, that sucks, man. But I'm I'm actually you're really just telling me for you.
0: You're literally great. telling a comedian a joke. You, oh dude, yeah. that, that's
1: it. Oh my god, that's I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Explaining to a comedian what bombing's like. Yeah, yeah. Oh
0: my actually that was totally. funny. I had somebody That's used, it. I had somebody recently that was like, Hey, what is bombing like? And I was like, is it like falling off a bike? and i was like it's like falling off a bike downhill forever <laughs> <the limit." laughs> like falling off the bike doesn't stop for 6 minutes yeah i don't know what's
1: worse bo- bombing or or um doing a like a really bad improv when when
0: doing an improv show is like really bad oh yeah it depends who's paying more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'll bomb for a good price watching I mean,
1: a, <laughs> what what's watching bad improv or watching bad stand up or I always try to debate like what's worse. I think they're both it's equally horrible. bad, but for di- very different reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. something weird about bad improv where it's like it's almost also the audience's fault uh-huh. because it's like you're giving me the, the suggestions here, but then at the same time for like for stand-up, if you if you're having just a bad oh no, that's way worse. I'm yeah. sorry, because at least in, in in improv you get to fail with the team. Yeah,
1: you totally. have a group
0: of people failing true, together you're not alone and in this. There's some you're solidarity. There's you're some unity alone. where you're like, wow, at yeah. least these guys who are dressed alike are failing together. Right. But it feels but it's definitely <laughs> like... Improv, like the audience is sort of in on it too. Right. And yeah. it's like at least they have each other at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who does the comedian have? Especially if that's their own mic and mic stand. They just <laughs> pack up their equipment. <laughs>
1: um I, I don't know why this just popped in my head. I think it's because I wanted to bring it up before, but in my in my adventures of of what's called advantage play, that's okay. what people consider themselves who find edges in different types of games or advantage players. Um, uh, a couple or a few years ago, I got into being a prof- man. I can't believe I'm going to talk about this in public, um, but I, I took up professional arcade game playing for a while.
0: Okay. And I'm not,
1: and I'm not talking about being a professional gamer. That's not what I'm talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. So I came home from a stand up show one night and I had found a Dave and Buster's card that, from a gazillion years ago and i'd had a bad show so i stopped in at the dave and busters at hollywood and highland and i was like i want to see if there's any money on this still i'm I'm gonna blow off some steam playing a couple of games and i started playing a few different games that i found i was able to like hit the jackpot on pretty consistently and i was like wow that's that's interesting and i kind of walked around in the store with all the prizes and they have some like decent. Like, the higher-end prizes, in there are, like, video game consoles and, and electronics and things like that. Oh, yeah.
0: That. Dave, got, Dave Busters go hard. DB they, go they hard. Go, yeah,
1: yeah. If you save it up, you can get some decent stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I just started to think, like, hmm, that's interesting. So I went home, and I, I kind of did a little research, and it turns out that there's a whole community of people who go into Dave and Busters and arcades like that, and they um, – they become experts at hitting jackpots on on some of the different games consistently enough and often enough that they're able to then buy the electronic equipment, flip it on eBay, and end up making a lot more than they spent to buy the the tokens or whatever. So I ended up doing that for about a year.
0: And did it go well?
1: Yeah, it went great. yeah, I ended up. It it, it was
0: was. Um, how much money did you make? No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it it was so funny that this community, like, they had there all kinds of rules about like how to have a relationship with your local Dave and Buster's so that they don't kick you out. How to um you know what to do if people are watching you and they're asking for help how do you get really low rates by by using different coupons for when you buy the the chips um you know the things that are best to flip in the store how often the store comes out with new stuff um and also like how to not play a game so much that um that the company actually changes the game because the that,
0: suspicion. That
1: ends up happening a lot is that nationwide, um, the company Dave and Buster's has changed a lot of the games. Either they'll lower the amount of the jackpot, or they'll switch the software so that you can't hit a jackpot on it as often, um, and. And, you know, and they're like, if you if you do this often enough, Dave and Buster's is going to change these games and they're going to ruin it for everybody. So milk the cow, don't kill the cow. But unfortunately, there would be a lot of people who didn't have respect for this and they would go in and just crush the games. And a week later, the games were totally changed. Hmm. Yeah, Dang. I know.
0: See, I have I, I I,
1: very few people about this. I, I'm a That's I'm a claw machine guy.
0: Yeah. i figured out claw machines. I got the algorithm. I know how to win claw machines. Now do you
1: know though though that there is a that there is a way that they that they um,
0: loosen the tensile strength yeah, of the claw, yeah. they yeah. use yeah, less yeah, prongs. Yeah. There's a couple of different machines and there's different ways to do it. But as, as far as, as, as the most part goes, there is a talent to it. But you don't sit there and milk all the stuffed animals out of the machine. Right. You take the ones with the highest probability, you impress your girlfriend, you use it to get a blowjob, yeah. and you continue your night. You yeah. don't have to be... But at the same time, if there are people making enough money to live off of it, I mean, why not? It's the land of opportunity.
1: Yeah, so I, so I, I did that just for fun and made some extra money. I was maybe going in like maybe five, six hours a week and doing that.
0: Now, would you call that professional gambling? no
1: i would call that um advantage play
0: that's like farming if you're into rpg <laughs> games yeah. that's like farming where you're like i'm gonna go in this low level area and kill all the sheep i'm gonna leave and reload it just to get the one point of experience each time uh-huh so yeah. by the time i actually start playing the game i'm already level 17 and i'm fucking shit up oh, yeah man. so um anything else you want to you want to talk about we're, we're we're going into the landing phases Nah, no,
1: we're good i mean uh, you know i have I have, you know cool you know funny stories about it just a lot of crazy experiences but nothing specific.
0: I can only imagine. There's no way that we could we could cover no the amount of stories. But I'm glad that we got to have you talk about this, man. This yeah, is something that thanks, I've, I since the, we started talking about having this podcast, I've been super fascinated with. Cool, because I I really do notice that the friends that I have that are super into poker are are deep into it. And it's like they have a second life sometimes where it's like we hang out and like, oh, I got to go. It's poker time. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh, OK. It's like, hey, do you do you want to like hang out at your house? We can do poker at your house. It's like, no, no, no. I'm at work, man. Like, this is important.
1: I've always I mean, I I think the difference between me and and maybe the reason why I couldn't speak too much about poker culture is that even though I have used poker and, and other forms of gambling to help pay my bills over the past 15, 17, 18 years now. Um, is that I don't consider myself a professional poker player. I've never, I've never, I've always treated it, even though I was saying poker's like my job and I take it seriously, I've always treated all of it like, this is a hobby where I make money. And so when I've had that attitude about it, I've been able to play with a more clear conscience.
0: Well, if you were a professional poker player, mm-hmm. you would have no time to do stand-up comedy, right. which would mean that you and I would have never met, which means that you wouldn't have done this podcast in the first place right. due to accessibility. <laughs> yes. So, Seth, I'm happy that you're at the level of gambling that you're at. Love you, brother. If you were any deeper into it, you wouldn't yeah. want any piece of this. But <laughs> yeah. but thanks, thanks to this, you are Seth Shapiro, Please spout off your uh, your your social media so our listeners can follow you. Where uh, can they cool. find you?
1: Cool. On Twitter, it's at Seth Shapiro, and on Instagram, it's at the Seth Shapiro.
0: All right, and Andy, what what's, what's yours? Isn't it Andy Southern IRL? IRL. Yeah, that's yeah, at Andy North North Southern IRL in real life on uh, on Instagram, and uh, of course, I'm Chino at Chino Bra. C H I N O B R A H. That's for my Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. If you don't know, there it is was a good episode i feel good about that one that was that was fascinating thank you seth
1: yeah man thank you for having me it was a good and time thanks. and then, and
0: hey if any of you guys are out there and you have a uh, major gambling addictions um you know there's people who, who will talk to you um i mean it's not me don't talk to me about it but there's there's people out there who can talk and help you uh <laughs> help you see the lightning end of the tunnel and if you uh if you're not looking for help yet then uh you know you cannot borrow money from me have a good night